found on the chat room until yesterday. Yesterday I logged on and said if anybody was interested in the economy, they might like to look at what George Salente, a CEO of the Trends Research Institute, had to say. And I found that no one would take any stock in my referral of this man, even though I have often found people in your chat room interested in this type of thing before. Uh, all they did was undercut me, and one said that after my last chat with you, how can they believe anything I have to say? Later in the chat, uh, a person was found to be being abused, and I gave advice on the subject based on a book I've read on the same situation she, uh, that person was facing. This struck a nerve because of the delicate circumstances this person was facing, but I felt it was important to say to keep this person from harm based upon what the experts in that field had to say. Uh, some people kept talking to this person about this abuser, and I could tell this was causing this person discomfort. Because of this, I whispered to the moderator to change the subject because having the victim have to think about the abuser in this is exactly what the abuser wants in this specific situation. And since I had already struck a nerve, I looked to the moderator as a figure, as a figure of authority to do so. Uh, the moderator then said, frankly, I don't believe I should have any reason to believe you about this. And I responded, frankly, you're extremely rude. Excuse me for trying to help this person out of this situation. The moderator then said, said, I suggest you take a break from the chat room, Johnny. Later, a person said uh, they had thought about killing their mother, to which this same moderator used a clapping hands emoticon to. I whispered to the moderator, why would you clap your hands to that? How is that productive? Uh, to this, he banned me from the chat room. Uh, I think this is a great case study. Look, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt you. It's, I mean, and I, if we wanted, to, I don't know any of the details about that, right? Yeah, I, but you I had, sorry, you. sorry to interrupt. Let me finish my thought. Uh, you had criticisms before these interactions. I, I mean, I don't know what the circumstances were. I don't. I mean, I'm so. But you had criticisms. I was of, wrap, I'm, I'm uh, about please, to wrap. Sorry, up. please, please let me finish my thought. Uh, you had criticisms of Freedom Aid Radio that you wanted to talk about more in our last call, but we kind of got onto other topics. So rather than yeah. you know grind through something that I'm not familiar with, why don't you give me the larger picture of the issues that you have with the way that uh, uh, well the criticisms that you have about uh, what we talk about in terms of philosophy here? Okay, okay. Uh, I just. Uh, sorry, and I mean specifically. Sorry to interrupt you, but I mean specifically. My, I, I mean, I can only speak to my ideas. Not, I can't judge interactions that I wasn't part of or anything like that. But, but anyway, so go ahead. Okay. Um, well, I think that is kind of a good case study of uh, psychology at FDR being very defensive. Uh, it seems to me that shunning people with different philosophies is uh, necessary or done. 
I don't think that it's a good environment for trying to find truth. Uh, and my main evidence for that is that only a few hours after our last podcast, everyone signed out when I asked for civil feedback. Um, I expected some flag from our last conversation on the chat room, but more in the form of discussion instead of being shunned and mocked. Uh, well, what do you think? I, I was just wondering, what do you think about, um, you know, everyone signing out after I, I just said I would love to have some feedback? Well, I mean, I again, I you're, you're asking me to... to uh, I think this is... Sorry, you're, you're, if you're going to ask me a question, <laughs> give me a chance to respond, right? Okay. I, I think that you're asking me to comment on things that I don't know anything about. I mean, I can't talk about specific instances. Um, why did okay. everyone sign out? Well, I don't know. Maybe they all had some place to go. Maybe they had just said uh, maybe it was lunch break and everybody was in the same time zone. Uh, it, it could be any number of things, but it also could be because they didn't want to interact with you, right? And, of course, people are perfectly free to do that, right? We're we're all into voluntarism, right? And there is a free market of yeah. relationships, right? So people can choose to interact with you or choose not to interact with you, and that's neither good nor bad, right? Yeah, but I think it's evidence of uh, the people being very defensive, uh, very not open to discussion. I was, and I don't think that's a good environment for uh, philosophy. Okay, so if you say that people are being defensive and not open to uh, a discussion, did you mean about the last call that you and I had? Yeah, I just asked for feedback. I mean, I didn't want to argue with anybody. And what did you do with the feedback you got? I got feedback from the moderator, and I and what said, happened? Uh, right. So the feedback gave you the moderator gave you some feedback, and yeah, and he didn't want to talk about it further. So I I thanked him for his feedback, and I left the chat room. Okay, so basically, you said, I would like some feedback. The moderator gave you some feedback, and then the moderator just said, here's my feedback, and I don't want to talk about it anymore? Yes, and then I said, thank you for your feedback. Okay, and what did you do with the feedback? Well, I thought about it, uh, and I could definitely see how our last conversation was irritating and frustrating. I told him as much, but he didn't want to talk about it as much, so. Okay, so you accepted at least some of the feedback as, as valid that you got. Yeah, but I mean, I what I'm, I'm kind of concentrating on is the, uh, I don't think the environment is healthy for, uh, for discussion. I think people are, Psychology at FTR is so defensive because people are very emotionally wrapped up in it. Well, okay, but I mean, you just—I mean, this—you got to provide, right? I mean, this just this just theories, right? You just say that about anything, right? So what I'm asking, but I have evidence and, and the reason that I'm trying to give you this, evidence. the reason I'm trying to give you this feedback, is that in general, if you ask people for feedback and then you don't act on it, right? Like, so if. If, uh, if I do something wrong and someone says to me, this is my feedback, or if I write a book and give it out to people and they say, this is uh, my feedback, if I basically ignore their feedback or try and talk them out of their feedback or say that they're wrong, then what will happen is people will not want to give me feedback anymore, right? I did not 
say that he was wrong. I didn't argue with him. Well, sure, but um, I asked him but why what did you do with the feedback? I took it into consideration. I only got feedback from one person. But I just wanted to... I mean, feedback is good because it helps you see what other people are thinking and then you can uh, see what you may have thought wrong or what you uh, could have done better. Or okay, and sorry, better. so let, let's talk about the last call because you got some feedback, as you say, and you had the chance to, to think about it and I'm sure that you listened to the conversation again. So uh, what, uh, uh, what, what self-criticisms would you bring to bear about uh, your side of the conversation that we had last time? And maybe you don't have any. I'm just, I'm, that's totally fine. I'm just uh, curious what your experience was of processing that. Okay. Uh, I thought that, first off, I shouldn't have been smoking the entire conversation because it sounded like I was breathing very heavy. Uh, and I, I I liked some of the points you made. Uh, I thought they were, you know, pretty good. Uh, but I, I I thought I did okay. Uh, and I didn't change uh, my opinions, but I, I always uh, I did like to listen to it. Uh, anyway. So nothing nothing see. changed for you as a result of our last conversation, right? No. Now you did say to me that I was uh, I made some excellent points. I mean, and and uh, and so on. But those didn't affect your opinion. Mm, no, I thought I made uh, good points as well. But, uh, did you? What did I think? about the conversation? Uh, sorry, you said did I? I'm not sure what you mean. Did I what? What did you think? What did you think? Oh, I'm, I, I thought that, um, uh, I mean, I thought you were a good debater. Um, I thought that um, some of your points weren't too well uh, thought through, and uh, I, I found you kind of immovable uh, as far as that goes. Hmm. But at What's the end of word? that conversation, you had uh, criticisms about uh, the role of parents or, or how things are talked about with parents at, uh, at FDR. And you mentioned that there were a couple of parents on... I don't know, some other board who were uh, complaining about FDR, and I think that's what you wanted to talk about more, if I remember rightly. Yeah. Okay, okay so let's, uh, let's, let's, hear, let's hear the criticism. All right. Uh, I have a, a few other points, if I can get to them first, about uh, some of the psychology. Uh, my, my first one is about uh, the dream analysis, and I, I think that does apply to psychology because it's an important part of everybody's psyche. Um, as entertaining as these dreams analysis uh, can be, I can't help but think that the symbology, the symbology in these dreams could be used to mean almost anything. Okay, and what is, uh, if you're going, what is your experience in, in studying or researching or being trained on a dream analysis? Well, I've uh, I've seen what some spiritual people have to say about dreams, and I've uh, seen uh, I've I've seen a little bit, but uh, I 
thought that it was just kind of the amateur dream analysis based on what kind of what you thought the symbology meant. Okay, and, sorry uh, to interrupt you, but when you say amateur dream analysis, again, you could be completely right. But amateur compared to what, right? I mean, I've read, um, I don't know, probably two dozen books on dream analysis from Freud and from Jung and, and other uh, thinkers, uh, and uh, mm. I've studied Nathaniel Brandon, and right? So I've done, and of course, I was in therapy for years, and a lot of what I did in therapy was work with the therapist to, to analyze mm. and understand dreams. So I've had years and years of experience um, looking at this and doing a fair amount of a huge amount of reading on it. So, and maybe that makes me an amateur. But if you're going to judge my years of experience and direct working with my own dreams in a therapeutic situation, then I need to know whether you just whether you have an opinion or whether you're coming from a position of expertise. No, it's an opinion. Uh... I've always thought that uh, the symbology in dreams could be used to mean almost anything. And I've, oh, uh, sure. Sorry to interrupt you I've again. Seen many people but that's say that. that's a, that's just another opinion. Can you tell me what uh, research or facts or evidence that you have uh, worked with? And this doesn't have to be, you know, science because dream analysis is, uh, <laughs> you know, more art than science. But um, have you read any of the um, psychological or uh, other kinds of li- literature uh, about dream analysis? I mean, from, from people who are recognized or respected in the field, like, like Freud or Jung or sort of the other big luminaries. Well, since you obviously have more experience, I'll just take your word for it. Well, no. See, I'm not asking you to take my word for it. I'm trying to point out something, which is that, I mean, I'm sure you find it annoying because, I mean, you know about economics, right? So when people come up and say stuff about economics as if it's true, when they've actually read nothing about the field and they're just going off instinct or gut field, you find that annoying, right? Yeah, because I'm very passionate about that. Right. So when you come and you say, well, I think this about dream analysis and it's amateur and I think that, and I ask you on what grounds you think this and you've not read anything as far as I can tell on dream analysis, I sort of experience the same thing that you do when people say, well, without the government, we'd have monopolies and there would be no roads and Right, and and you ask them, well, what have you read, or or what do you know about economics, and they say, well, I've not read anything about economics. Um, this is just what I think. Mm. Well, that's why that's why I'm saying I'm taking your word for it because you just told me that you've done years of research. So I'll, I'll well, no, no, no. See, you don't. That's not the. There's no. There's no point taking my word for it because if you think it's just a way of of thinking that I'm trying to. I'm not talking about the, the dream analysis stuff itself. It's just a way of thinking, right? Which is that. I mean, obviously, people can criticize. People can say, Steph, you're wrong. You're. I mean, of course, right? But I'm not – I didn't wander off the corn patch and start doing dream analysis, right? I've been working on it uh, with myself and with a very competent and expert therapist for years. I mean I have a lot of knowledge, a lot of direct personal experience about this. And of course, I always say this is all just a theory. It may or may not be true. There's certainly no proof in dream analysis other than does, right. it, help, uh, does it help illuminate uh, one's own psychology to oneself. And so oh. this is this is just. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll just end here, and I'll I'll let you continue. I'm sorry to to ramble on, but it's just a way of thinking, right? Which is that if you say, well, I think the dream analysis are amateur and could mean anything, and you haven't done any research in it, that then 
that that's not good, right? Fundamentally, I, it, it may be that my dream analysis are nonsense and amateur, but just stating it without doing any research or having any understanding of quite a huge amount of of uh, literature, uh, scientific and professional literature on the field, is not productive as a way of approaching things. If that makes sense. Mm. Uh, so, would you say that uh, since it can't be based in fact that these dreams and anal- dreams analysis should be more taken as entertainment as I saw them or or I mean you know what do you think no certainly not uh, just as entertainment uh, absolutely not there is an enormous amount of um, uh, rich psychological material that can be available in dreams. I mean, nothing in the mind is purely accidental, right? I mean, when you dream about one thing so, versus another, uh, it's not completely accidental. Now, just because something can't be objectively proved does not mean that it then becomes completely subjective and, uh, you know, just for entertainment purposes. People have had yeah. very significant breakthroughs in terms of self-knowledge and uh, a focus and, and ambitions and goals and love in life through uh, these dream analyses. So, no, it's not, uh, it's not purely subjective. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Um, these, the dreams analysis that you do always, uh, the symbology always seems to come back and point, through, you know, kind of directly at SDR and philosophy. And I always thought that that may be a, a stretch, um, I'm sorry. Did tell me. I'm sorry. I did, I, I, sorry to interrupt you. I just want to make sure I'm following what you're saying. The symbology points back to FDR. Can you? Can you? I'm not sure what that means. When, when you do the when you do the dream analysis. Okay, but I'm not sure what you mean by that. The symbology in their dreams, when you do the analysis, always is always about FDR. Right? Well, no, well, that's and, what you're saying, but I still don't understand and, what you mean. You mean, like, I think they're dreaming about the website URL, or, I mean, I, I'm not sure what you mean when you say it points back to FDR. The philosophy. Okay, but can you give me an example? I, I just, I'm not sure I understand what you mean. Okay. Uh, like, when, uh, I think there was one dream about... There's some kind of post-apocalyptic world. Uh, it was a really cool dream. Uh, somebody was in a car and everything. Did this all... Uh, it all seemed to... You seemed to apply it to uh, the philosophy of Freedom and Radio. And I... As I said, you've done a lot more research on this, but I, I thought that the symbology could be used to mean almost anything, or it could just be a random jumble of thoughts. Sure, but you you have done the research. I'm still not sure. When when you say it always seems to point back to FDR or the philosophy of FDR or whatever, I'm still not sure what that means. What what aspects of the philosophy do you feel may be unjustly reinforced through the dreams or the dream analysis? Um, Well, every time that there's a dream character that's uh you know female or or uh, you know male and it's doing something uh, oftentimes you 
do apply that directly to the family. And I'm I'm not saying that that's I don't know if that's valid or not, but it does seem that dream characters often get applied directly to the family. Well, and certainly, if if a man says, "I dreamt about my father," do you think it's unreasonable to think that he's? No, I don't think that's quite unreasonable at all. Okay. I, I, again, I, I think I don't think we're getting anywhere on this. So perhaps you could go to but, but if, issue. Okay, I'll go to my next issue. Um, in our last conversation, you seem to think the. Uh, me bringing up the self-guided meditation was kind of silly, but I don't think it's fair to say that uh, me saying that a self-guided meditation could plant a seed of doubt in people's minds about their past, um, you know, I, I'm not saying that the uh, 10 minutes of self-guided meditation is going to change their entire view on their childhood, I'm saying that it would plant a seed of doubt, and you'll make them view it a little bit differently. Okay, and again, sorry to interrupt you, so so, so for this kind of stuff, rather than making a blanket assertion, I think it's important to do some research, right? Because these things are not uh, just subjective and up to our opinion, so if you feel that well, that one, that one, I can't Sorry, take that's a, my point. Uh, if you feel that a meditation can uh, somehow affect someone's uh, or rewrite someone's history or, or have an effect on their perception of their history uh, with their family, then you need to do some research because there's lots of research into meditation. There's lots of research into those kinds of things. And you need to see, okay, well, has, is there any evidence – Right, and again, it's just well, going back to the facts, going back to the, the studying, going the, the back evidence, to the The evidence to me seems obvious in this case because I started to do the self-guided meditation and I was getting into it. And when I got to the part about looking at my seven-year-old child and saying, oh, everything is, uh, I know how hurt you are, you know, and then leading them by the hand, I stopped because I I thought to myself, well, you know, I I don't remember my childhood being very bad. I mean, I had some issues with my parents in my teenage years, but my childhood was just fine. So, so for me, I had to stop the meditation. But I think other people might would not. Sorry, why why would you stop meditation? That seems obvious to me that it would, you know, make them view their childhood a little differently. But you said that it didn't make your ch- you view your childhood any differently. Yeah, that's because I, I stopped the meditation. I was about to, I mean, I was about to do all this stuff, and then I was like, wait, 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 no. No, I didn't have it that bad of a childhood. Okay, so, so your evidence of the fact that meditation do not affect people's view of their childhoods. So I'm not sure how you get from that that meditation does affect people's view of their childhoods. I mean, it seems to you would be evidence to the opposite of what you claim. Right. But I, there, I was just one case. There, I mean, I'm sure the majority of people would not stop in the middle of the podcast. But why are you they sure? How are you sure? Uh, this is what I keep asking you, Johnny. How are you sure? 
Have you done research? Do you know? Have you asked around? Or do you just put stuff forward saying it's true without any research or any facts whatsoever? Or any evidence other than the fact that it didn't affect you with, in terms of your view of your childhood? This is what I'm trying to get across to you. The, I mean, the evidence seems uh, more, you know, common sense to me. Uh, I don't see it as a, too much of a stretch. You don't see that a stretch, really? To say, no, to, to say that you're doing a meditation, you talk to your past child about how hurt they are, and then, you know, you you go off and to, you know, philosophy and all that. I mean, I, I don't see how that's much of a stretch. Okay, well, let me help you. Let me help you. In, Sorry, to interrupt. Let me help you to see how it is a stretch, right? Okay. First of all, people found the meditation very helpful, right? Second of all, you, who say it did not apply to your childhood, did not finish the meditation, Right. Thirdly, there's no evidence whatsoever in any psychological journaling that a 10-minute meditation can rewrite your memories or affect your memories of your childhood in any way. Right. So what seems like common sense to you is exactly what seems like common sense to a lot of people, that we need a government, that there would be no roads without a government, that there'd be no charity. That seems like common sense to people, right? but it's totally wrong. I mean, just on the economic side, right? Mm. Yeah. And you don't want to make that, that, that same mistake, right? You want to have that as a principle. That just because it might make sense to you doesn't mean that you can leap to say this is now established fact, right? Well, I, did, I didn't say it's established fact, but I think it it would make sense that that would happen. Okay, are you hearing anything that I'm saying? It You think it might make sense? Like, I'm giving you evidence to the contrary, but you don't seem to be processing it all. And then you say that FDR is defensive and, and rejects truth, right? Well, it, I know that it was, at least for certain people, because it happened to me. As far as the FDR is defensive. Uh, but, you, but you see that you may not have a very strong leg to stand on because here, like with regards to the dream analysis, with regards to this meditation, and throughout our last conversation, I kept giving you evidence and strong arguments as to why you didn't have an empirical basis to stand on to assert the, fa the sort of facts that you're asserting. And I'm doing that now here as well, and you're not accepting anything that I'm saying, right? No, I, I get, I get where you're coming from, and um, all I'm saying, I, I don't think that it is bad. And you know, I said before, I think you know, you should make a caveat that you know, this is only for people who had a bad childhood. You know, but I mean, I've listened to hundreds of your podcasts, right? you know, found them very helpful. And so when I see this dream analysis come along, I mean, if I if I hadn't already thought, you know, maybe there are some little flaws that I was, you know, that I felt I should point out. 
that uh that I would have probably just gone straight along and and uh, you know not stopped in the middle of the dream house. If that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. I don't. Um, know what that means as far as truth. Statement. I mean, that, that can't be. I know that can't be subjectively uh, proven. I guess, but I think it makes sense. Well, but you understand, if you say, I think it makes sense to me, that, that means it, it nothing, does make right? Sense, no, really. but it, make, it means nothing, because you have no evidence, you have no science, you have no, um, you have no training, you have no studying, you have no uh, direct experience with the dream analysis, right? So saying it, it makes sense to me is not philosophy, right? It's just bigotry, right? It makes sense to me, despite the facts, despite the evidence, despite the theory, despite the science... It just well, makes sense to me. The right? evidence in the evidence in my life, uh, you know, I there was a time where I would have I would have not stopped in the middle of that dream analysis. Sorry, are we talking about dream analysis or meditation? Oh, sorry, self-guided meditation. Okay, so but still, it it this is it, when you say. This is a fact that, that uh, a 10-minute meditation can, can alter people's perception of their history. And then when I challenge you on the facts and ask for evidence, you say, well, it just makes sense to me. But those two things have nothing to do with each other, right? It's a fact versus it makes sense to me with no evidence and despite evidence. I, I just nothing you, to do with I each mean, other. Evident, evident personal evidence is what I just – No, because your personal evidence, Johnny, was that – you were not affected by the meditation because you stopped. That's your personal evidence. So your personal yeah. evidence contradicts the thesis that you're putting forward that it can, that it will affect people, right? The only reason I stopped is because I've, I already have, you know, questioned a few other things that I thought might be wrong. But do you? Do you, I don't think. Do you want to go on to the next point? Uh, okay, I'll, we'll do we'll do one more point, but I think I'm getting a bit of a pattern here. But sure, let's do one more point. Just one more. Sure. Okay, let's talk well about then, the parents uh, stuff that came up at the end of the. Let's talk about the parents then. Yeah, right. let's talk about parents. Okay. So you said that there, uh, if I remember rightly, you said that there are four parents who are upset because uh, children have uh, separated uh, uh, from the parents for you know whatever period of time it has occurred. Uh, you said that there are four parents somewhere out there on the internet who are uh, upset about this. Is that right? Yeah, I've, uh, I was looking the other day, and I found a, one or two more uh, case studies, uh, or whatever you want to call them, people that I've found that have also had a similar experience. Uh, the one that I found yesterday was a, a wife of a uh, somebody who uh, almost ended up getting a divorce because of uh, I think he he almost left uh, her because she wasn't exactly you know she didn't believe in the exact same type of philosophy, you know, the anarcho-capitalism and the all that stuff. She didn't believe in exactly the same kind of philosophy that people like to talk about on the, the FDR boards. And uh, But he uh, changed his mind, and, uh, and she managed to change his mind. But she had a, uh, 
another friend who was his friend who did end up uh, leaving his wife. Um, but she didn't, she did not end up losing her husband. So, um, and she said it was main, it was because uh, the reason that her friend ended up leaving his wife was because she couldn't go along with all the philosophy, you know, the way that he kind of wanted to. Uh, sorry, and, and let me sorry. Parents, let me just make sure. Let me just make sure because it's a complicated thing. Okay, so we've got we've got two women. One says, let's call her A, and then we'll call the other woman B. Uh, okay. So A says she almost got divorced uh, because of philosophical differences with her husband, but they worked it out, right? Right. Okay. Now B is is reported by A. A is talking about B, who did split up with her husband and. According to A, it's philosophical differences? Yes. Okay, I mean, again, this is – I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying they're wrong. But when people are going through breakups, they will often – and again, this is no proof. I'm just talking skepticism, right, based on quite a bit of experience with talking pe uh, with people about this. A marriage that uh, – and it's sort of like memories of your childhood, right? Like a marriage – wherein the introduction of philosophy causes uh, a, a big problem in the relationship, the problem is not philosophy, right? It's like if someone has an affair, it's not the other woman who is the problem, right? The problem is within the marriage, and it's being acted out with reference to an affair or with reference to philosophy, if that makes sense. And, and this is it's not my opinion. This is, I mean, there's no psychologist in the world who will say that an affair, say, is not a symptom of a problem in a marriage. It is a symptom of a problem in a marriage. It is not the problem within the marriage, if that makes sense. What do you... Sorry, how do affairs have to do with... Well, because what we're doing is we're saying that um, uh, uh, if, if a woman says, I left my husband because he had an affair and that's the only thing that was wrong with our marriage, then we know she's not telling the whole truth, right? Because the husband has an affair because there's a problem with the marriage, right? Uh, I don't see how that pertains. Okay, that's all right. Well, I'll, I'll stitch it in. So if a woman says, my husband left me over minor differences in philosophy, I can guarantee mm. you that is not the cause of the problem or the problems in the marriage. Well, okay. What if they weren't having problems before? Uh, you mean if they weren't having problems before um, the introduction of philosophy? Yeah. Well, that's not possible, though, because either the, either the philosophical differences are very large, right, and, and significant, right, like the husband wants to beat the children and the wife doesn't, right? That's, I mean, that's pretty significant, right? I'm not saying this is true, but either the philosophical differences are really big or the philosophical differences are really small, right? Now, if they're really big, philosophy has not created those, but rather just identified them, right? Like, I mean, if your doctor says, 
you have cancer, he doesn't create it, he just identifies it, right? So philosophy isn't creating those differences, it's merely giving language to them. Now, if the philosophical differences are very small, right, like, uh, I don't know, a totally tiny objectivist kind of government versus an anarchic kind of government, then there's going to be a lively debate with mutual respect, there's going to be a negotiation, there's going to be a continued enjoyment. I mean, my wife and I debate stuff all the time. We certainly don't agree about everything. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a positive and lively and fun part of our marriage. And this is true for a lot of the debates that I get into. Mm-hmm. Right? So if the, the, the differences are major, it's not the fault of philosophy. Right? It just means that they didn't work out these differences before they got married. And you can't blame philosophy for pointing that out. If the differences are minor then if they're going to split up over minor differences, it's because they don't know how to negotiate. They're not treating each other with respect. They're not approaching the debate in good faith and with a, an honorable recognition that the truth is valuable and, and so on. They're rigid and they're confrontational and they're making mountains out of molehills. Again, that doesn't get created by philosophy. That, that's something that's already existent within the marriage. Mm. Okay. All right, getting back uh, to the parents, uh, they, uh, yeah, uh, a lot. Of, I think that uh, you know, well, on that, what we were just talking about, uh, don't you think that? Uh, a lot of people don't want to talk to uh, people that are different, that have, you know, different viewpoints, though. I mean, like, they're, uh, like, eh, they didn't seem open to me, so, you know, at all, after I talked with you, and, uh, so I, I don't, I see, you know, that could be kind of applied to the situation with uh, family and friends, too. They, they, you know, they didn't seem open with me after I had opposing viewpoints. Um, so maybe, uh, and they kind of shunned me, so why could that not happen in other situations? I'm sure it could. I, I think it does happen in other situations. I'm sure I'm sure that it could. And you believe, you genuinely believe that you were shunned because you had uh because you had differences of opinion with people. Yes. No other reason. It's not anything nope. to do with what you did or didn't do. It is only because uh, other people can't handle the differences of opinion. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I, it's because I said, you know, I mean, it's because I, it was our discussion. It was the reason. Um, but, yeah, I, I wasn't asking for a debate. I was just asking for feedback. And, uh, you know, when everyone on the chat room logs out except the moderators, it's kind of obvious what's going on. Right. I'm, I understand on, that. But what I'm saying is, and I, I'm not trying to catch you. I'm just trying to genuinely understand where you're coming from that 
it was dishonorable or unfair or unjust or wrong or bad or whatever, negative, for other people to not want to interact with you after not just our last chat, but after a lot of interactions that people have had with you in the chat room. It's nothing to do with what you're doing. It's just because other people are defensive and other people are uh, unfair and other people are insecure and don't want to discuss alternate viewpoints? Um, I would say it is a little bit of... Well, I mean, before I had the discussion with you, I was bringing my views into the chat room and no one shunned me. And then after I had the discussion with you, they did. So, I, I don't, you know, I, that's, that's, uh, kind of seems evidence to me. I mean, I, I enjoyed, um, you know, your, debating, um, you know, and, well, okay, let, let's say, let's go back to, you know, somebody says, oh, some, you know, I've felt like killing my mother. I mean, don't we all, well, I mean, we've all, you know, said we've thought about doing that. But on, on a philosophy website, I, I don't think it's proper for, no, no, no. Sorry. Look, we, look. I got to interrupt you here because okay, you're trying yeah. a great thing here, which is trying to drag me back into an interaction that I don't know anything about. So, what I'm asking you. All right, we won't. Right. So that. stay with the same. Stay with the original question, if you don't mind. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, they weren't open, and that's why they left the show. Right. So, and again, I'm just trying to, again, I'm not trying to badger you. I'm really just trying to understand where you're coming from. You're saying that it has nothing to do with your actions or your choices that people didn't want to interact with you. Yeah, it had to do with my actions and my choices because I was, you know, I had opposing viewpoints. Right, but it's not because you did anything wrong or negative uh, that people didn't want to interact with you. I don't think I did anything wrong. Okay. Now, if this is true, right, I mean, there's ways of thinking about this stuff objectively, right? Now, I think it's, it's fairly safe to say that FDR presents a number a huge number, I think, of very challenging ideas to people, right? Uh, people in the libertarian movement, people who are religious, people who are uh, statists of various kinds, right? And why do you think it is, if the principle is, at FDR or wherever, if the principle is that a difference of opinion results in shunning, how could FDR exist at all? Why wouldn't, when I come into the room, people shun me? Because I certainly uh, hugely disagree with, uh, with people uh, sometimes. Uh, how, how could FDR, as a radical kind of, a new radical or whatever you, philosophy, how could it exist at all if the principle is people don't like challenging ideas? Because FDR, I mean, whether you like it or you hate it, it's full of challenging ideas, right? This is true. 
So help me understand why it affects it, affle- it affects you, but not me. Well, you know, I guess maybe because you're the part I got. But I mean, you, you, I mean, you're the one that has done a, you know all the you know the groundbreaking and wrote the books, and I was the one that was. Uh, question it all, and I guess that's why. Well, no, no, but the books the books themselves question a lot, right? Well, those, what do you mean that they, yeah, but those are the series, and they, you know, everyone kind of, at least on the chat room, you know, they believe those theories that you put out. Well, that's not so, I mean, at all. I get lots of disagreements in the chat well, room. Well, well, yeah, that's true. I mean, there's a Marxist in there, right? <laughs> and people interact with him. <laughs> And I know that this is a, an annoying set of questions, and I'm doing this not because I want to make you uncomfortable or prove you wrong or anything like that. Uh, I, ge- okay. I genuinely want you to appeal to people. I want you to come into the chat room and for people to say, great, Johnny's here, rather than, as you say, scatter like crows <laughs> before a shotgun. Yeah, literally. Yeah, like I, I want you uh, to have that experience, and I'm telling you, if it's everyone else's fault, there's nothing you can do to change that. And empirically, it just it doesn't work, right? Because there are people who are challenging, who have different ideas, who oppose a lot of what is talked about that people do want to interact with, right? And if you're not one of them and you say, well, it's everyone else's fault because they can't handle differences of opinions, then there's, there's no possibility that you have any effect on whether people want to interact with you or not. And just blaming other people, right? No, I didn't. It doesn't work. I, I, I never, I mean, I have, I think that it's because they, uh, they, you know, you know, just don't, you know, I mean, I don't know why. Uh, oh, no, no, no. You said you didn't know, know why, right? You said it's because they were unjust defensive yeah, because they, ideas, right? Well, I mean, but yeah, I mean... And don't you they, think people... I, asked, that, I just asked for feedback. That's all I did. I, I understand, but that's not feedback. all that happened, right? It's not all that happened. When people don't want to interact with you, and you just look at, well, all I did was this thing right before they didn't want to interact with me, right? That's like some... Uh, to, to take a silly example, right? It's like you're in a marriage and you come home and you forget the cheese. Right? You're going to go buy some groceries and you forget the cheese. And your wife says, that's it. I'm leaving you because you forgot the cheese. I mean, no sane person would think it's about the cheese, right? Well, I mean, I thought it was about – I mean, it wasn't about the question. It was about the podcast, really. No, it was not just about, about the podcast. It was about a long history of people's interactions with you. And I would submit yeah, to you but, that mean, you have the most power in your life if you say, I have created this shunning through my actions. I'm not going to sit there and say, well, I didn't do anything and other people just shunned me and make up all these stories. Because don't you get that people understand that you're insulting them? That, that when you say, well, I, all I did was ask for a little feedback and everyone shunned me because they're defensive and unjust and it's a cult, right? And when you say that... You're really insulting people, right? Now, why I never said would people? That it was a cult. 
Sorry, you're right. You didn't say it was a cult. But you said that people are defensive, that they're unjust, that they're doing wrong, that they don't want to interact with you because they can't handle differences of opinions, right? That's pretty insulting, right? Yeah. Now, why would people interact with you if you're insulting them? I've already been banned. Well, but but I'm trying to give you a sense of how it occurs, not for FDR, but for your life as a whole, right? Why okay. would people want to interact with you if you insult them? I, I don't. I don't think I didn't insult them. Yes, because everybody knows I, everything. Everybody gets where you're coming from, right? You have to give. I mean, you don't have to, but I'm telling you, it's true that people totally understand where you're coming from. And if you think ill mm-hmm. of people, they will get it. If you think that people are defensive and insecure and whatever, all the things that you say, they will get it. Every time you type something into the chat room, every time you say something, every time you pause, people understand where you're coming from deep down in their gullet, (laughs) so to speak, right? And so when I'm saying when people don't want to interact with you, that is the sum of a long series of interactions where your thoughts about them have been communicated to them very clearly whether you like it or not. It's nothing to do with psychology. Uh, Sorry, it's nothing to do with psychic or I I don't believe in any of that stuff. But human communication is very rich, very complex, right? 90 to 95% of communication is nonverbal. And that's true even in the chat room. It's just based on what you say, when you say it, how you approach, when you... People get where you're coming from. I'm just telling you this, right, because that way it will be less incomprehensible to you why you're shunned and other people aren't. Why you're shunned for disagreeing with a little bit, whilst people who are Marxists and and, and so on, they're not shunned even when they disagree with a lot. I'm just trying to give you some understanding that what you think about people clearly shapes itself in how you interact. I think it was because... um, because I've been questioning, um, I guess what what's been the most sensitive issue? You know, the uh, the whole defu and parenting thing. And I know, and the the people over there are very, you know, I guess they're tired of people questioning that. So that's to me. Okay, so you don't believe anything that I'm saying, and that's fine, right? No, but, but here's uh, the thing too, right? Yeah, so people, I, 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 you, I know. Sorry, people you're will right. listen, People will listen to this podcast that you and I are having, play. and they will see that you have advanced a whole series of objections or criticisms, and then when you're asked for proof or evidence or reasoning, you have none, right? And and what well, I'm just telling you this, right? This is what people will take from this, right? Just so so things aren't incomprehensible to you, right? So. What people will take for this is Johnny says stuff without evidence. And then when you confront him on the evidence, he'll grudgingly admit something, change the topic, and it won't have any effect on what he thinks or believes. And that's why people don't want to interact with you. Because it doesn't make any difference. Because they, uh, you, credibility, as I've talked about before, is so essential when you're communicating with people about you know, the big philosophical ideas. And... I can tell you <laughs> that your credibility, when you come up with criticisms and I ask for evidence and you haven't read anything and you don't have any knowledge and you are, you know, with the meditation thing, you are a contradiction to your own thesis, your experience, then what happens is people say, they listen to this and they say, 
okay, so this guy just says stuff, and then when you ask him for evidence, he doesn't have any, but he doesn't change his mind. Well, of course people don't want to interact with that any more than you want to throw money down a mine shaft, right? Because it doesn't go anywhere. Well, I have evidence for what I'm saying. I mean, uh, you know, with the dreamer I was saying, I said that there was a time where I wouldn't have stopped in the middle of the dream analysis. You mean the uh, and, uh, meditation? Yeah, yes, yes, the meditation. And, um, and I mean, even if they do think it's throwing a penny down a mine shaft, you know, I mean, I had a long chat with you and they listened to it. You know, the guy, I mean, all I asked was for feedback. I mean, on a philosophy forum, don't you think that, you know, even if they may think that I'm, you know, I mean, don't you think they would say something instead of just logging out? Well, they did say something. I mean, it's a philosophy. It's a they philosophy. did say something. Yeah, I know. They said, they said something. something very clear, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? If you phone someone and they hang up, they're, they're telling you something, right? Uh, and you may say, well, they shouldn't or it should be different or whatever, right? But then all you're saying is that it doesn't matter what you do. Other people are obligated to interact with you and they're not, right? We're all about voluntarism. If people don't want to interact with mm. you, you can say, well, it's because they're defensive and they're unjust and they're this. And that, all that happens is it means that people aren't going to want to interact with you in the future because it's all other people's fault. It's nothing to do with what you do, right? And look, I'm not expecting you to – you can – this may be all complete nonsense, right? And I'm not expecting you to concede anything. I'm just, I'm just saying it's a possibility. I think – I mean the way that I approach things, rightly or wrongly, is if something goes wrong in a relationship, I will first and foremost say, what am I doing that's the problem, right? And if it's consistent, right, like if every time I log into the chat room, everyone logs out, I'm going to review my behavior over the past couple of months and say, what have I done to create it. I mean, I know that there's, you know, individuals who, you know, don't like me or whatever, and that's fine. But if everyone is doing kind of the same thing, then it's more likely to be me than if it's just like one person out of a thousand who doesn't like me, right? Because that, that, that just could happen for whatever reason, right? So I'm just, I mean, I know it's comforting to say, well, it's other people's fault and they're, they're being defensive and, and they, they, they're obliged to interact with me because it's a philosophy forum and all I did was ask for feedback and blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't give you any power. It doesn't give you any possibility to affect the outcome of your interactions. I mean, I know that there's consolation in saying it's everyone else's fault. The only drawback is that you end up just repeating it and repeating it and repeating it, right? I'm just saying it's something to think on, right? I could be completely full of crap, uh, right? I'm just saying it's a possibility to think on. Okay. Um... All right. Uh, all right, let's just not talk about that. I guess. Well, I just get very angry when, when I see the way... Uh, just just like, you know, people treat parents. I just... I, I don't know. I just don't like it. Um, anyway... Uh, about those parents we were talking about last time, 
uh, you know, they they said they you know didn't get any uh, didn't get any uh, warning, didn't get any talk, didn't get any. You need to see a therapist. Didn't get any uh, any of that, and they didn't even know why they'd left. Uh, you know, then why their children had left for a while until they, and then they found out, and so they researched it and all that. And now they're posting on some sub forum, at you know, on Libby or whatever you want to call it, Lemmy, yeah, and. Uh, you know, this this happens. Uh, I, I saw your, uh, you know, I I think I saw your little post about the uh, the percentage of parents that you think defuse or whatever. Yeah, just for sorry, let me but, I mean, just that, for those who who don't know this. Uh, this is uh, basically okay. The math goes like over the course of FDR, we've had about fifty thousand fairly consistent listeners, which means, of course potentially 100,000 parents. We can take that down by 10% because of death or estrangement, maybe 90,000 parents. There have been about 20 defus that I know of, and of course maybe there's more, but I can only deal with what I know about. And each defu affects, well, <laughs> 1.8, but let's say two parents, right? So with thus we've had 40 parents out of 90,000 parents who've been affected by family separation, or 0.044% of parents. So one out of 2,250 parents involved with FDR have had a family separation that I know of. And sociopaths um, are 4% of the population, thus there should be 3,600 sociopathic parents out of 90,000 that means that it would be reasonable that 3,600 defus should have occurred uh, statistically, um, but we've had 20 or 1.11% of the potential defus, and so it's tiny. It's complete. It, it, it's it's something that people know because it's big and it's dramatic, and people talk about it, and the parents get upset. But it's it's totally tiny and statistically far below where it should be, right? But, but of course, all that happens is people say, well, FDR breaks up families without looking at the number of families whose relationships have been improved. And it's the same thing through, through RTR or FDR or whatever, right? Or therapy that, that people go to, right? Because so people don't write in that much and we don't really notice it that much to say, I had a good relationship. Or, I, my relationship with my mother or my father improved as a result of, of talking more honestly and more openly about what I feel, and which, you know, we all recognize is a good thing, right? So mm-hmm. it's just like economics, uh, right? So when you have a government program that creates 500 jobs, everyone says, yay, right? But nobody notices the 2,000 jobs that aren't created because nobody talks about them. And in the same way, the 20-odd defus that have occurred through FDR are very prominent and they stick in people's minds and the parents get up in arms and so on. But out of 50,000 families, I mean, 20? Is this, I mean, we got to think more clearly about the, the reality of the statistics. All right. I know you'd want to get that out. Um, well, I think there are problems with that, definitely. And uh, when, when you're talking about defooing from, uh, from parents, I'm sure you only know about you know, I'm sure you don't know about them all, um, but uh, maybe it's double. They don't. They don't just. Maybe tickle, it's double, yeah. but then maybe it's still only two percent of sociopaths and like less than one okay, percent okay. of uh, total family. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh 
But I mean, that's not taking into account that person's entire family. Uh, that's not taking into account. I'm sorry. What all their entire friends? You know. Sorry. What do you mean, their entire family? Well, they're in most cases they aren't just going to defoo from two members of their family. Oh, sorry, but but statistically that doesn't affect things at all, right? If you say instead of two parents, there are twenty families involved, or 20 family members involved, it doesn't change the statistics yeah. at all, right? Because there are 20 family members who aren't defooed from in 99.8% of FDR families, right? So it, it doesn't change the, the, the statistics at all. Mm. I mean, we have to work with the facts, right? Not just what seems it shocking, adds, right? Well, it adds a lot more people to that. I'm total. sorry? That, that would add a lot more people. No, but it would also total. add the total number of people. Like if you say a family is not two people but 20 people, then sure, more people are affected by the defu, but more people are affected by the maintenance of family stability, so the ratio between the two doesn't change, right? Like 2% is 2 out of 100, and it's also 20 out of 1,000. It's still 2%, right? So it doesn't matter. If you, if you inflate both numbers, it doesn't change the ratio. All right. Well, I, I know you'd want to get that out there at some point, but... Uh, I'm sorry, what do you mean, like, you'd want to get that out there? You're the one who brought up the parents. Yeah, yeah. So, you're driving this. Don't tell me I've got a destination, right? Okay. Um, so, what... I mean... Don't you think that there's, you know, because of a lot of the, the very, you know, uh, rigid uh, philosophical standard that you uh, hold parents up to at FDR, uh, don't you think that could result in bad defus like the examples that I've used I mean I mean I'm not sure what you mean by rigid that's, uh, tell that's, me what you mean by rigid all, all I talk about is uh, is that people are honest with each other about their emotional experiences and their immediate experiences of the other person right I'm not sure what you mean by rigid well I mean that's a I mean, that's just a negative well, okay. term, right? It's, it's uh, like proof. Compared, like compared to other views of family, you know, compared to other... Sorry, do you think there are views of families that say it's very important to lie about what you think and feel? Mm. So what other views uh, are you comparing it to? Well, I mean, you, you seem to hold parents up to a very high standard. Okay, can you give me an example of the very high standard that I hold parents up to? Yeah, um, like if there was uh, a traumatic, you know, let's say your mom or your dad cussed you out for something small that you did, um, you might suggest uh, talking to them about something that happened a long time ago, you know, that when you got cussed out, 
really bad or something like that. And, uh, you know, that, you know, things that happened a long time ago in the past, so, you know, that seems a pretty high standard. Um, I'm sorry, and, sorry, I, I'm trying to figure out what, you, what you're saying, because I, I don't follow it at all. Are you saying that I've ordered people to talk about stuff which is unimportant to them? Right, because if you were cast out by your dad and you're still upset about it, I think it's important to be honest about how you feel, right? I mean, is is that is is honesty not a good thing in relationships? Is is hiding your feelings and pretending that you're feeling something other than what you're actually feeling? Do you feel that's a better standard? Well, no, but you seem to. I mean, it seems focused on a, a lot of the negative. No, 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 no. No, it's you, all you're doing. See, let me tell you what you're doing. What you're doing is you're just using adjectives like rigid, high standards. It seems focusing on the negative. And whenever I ask you for evidence, you say, "Well, it seems like you might like you're just making stuff up." No, I'm not. Yes, you are, because you're not giving me evidence of where I say you must talk to your family about being cussed out or this or that or whatever, right? I'm saying if it bothers you, you should talk. Well, isn't that isn't that what real time relationships is about? It's about what? What is real time relationships about? I mean, isn't that about uh, talking about your emotions and all that right. all the time? You know. Yeah, being honest with people about how you feel and what you think. Absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, when you, you know, when you are focusing on the negatives of parenting, I think, you know, then you're... Wait, 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 wait. How do you get get from me saying you should be honest with your parents to that's focusing on the negative? No, I, I said when you're focusing on the negative. Who is sorry? Parents. Who is focusing on the negative? Me by saying be you. honest with your family. Am I saying focus on the negative? Am I saying only talk about things that are negative and never tell them things that are positive? I don't say any of that. I say be honest with the people in your life. I and where do you get focusing on the negative there? Honesty is neutral. It simply says. Be honest about what you feel. I, I I never say focus on the negative. I say focus on the truth, right? So help me understand where you get focus on the negative. From, uh, you know, from, uh, you know, uh, who's the, the, the DeMoz guy? What's his name? Lloyd DeMoz? Lloyd DeMoz, you know, and, and all... You know, and uh, and all that other stuff. You know, it, it's very you know focused on the negative appearance. Um, no, but you're, you're talking about RTR, right? And you're talking about what I say, not what Damas says, right? Because his stuff, if you've got an issue with Damas and the scientific and sociological research that he's done with his PhD from Cornell and all this, uh, hundreds of researchers around the world who've been working for decades, if you have an issue with what Damas says, you need to bring it up with Damas. But you're talking to me, and you're saying that I am doing something destructive towards families, which is a very serious allegation, which I take very seriously. So I'm asking you for evidence. 
as to how I'm harming families by telling people to be honest with each other? Um, well, if, uh, if you're, you know, you, you, you talk about a lot of the negative things about parenting a lot, and uh, when people listen to that... Um, okay, can you give me an example? You know, it, would make, it would make them want to be honest and open, but it would make it, I mean, about, about anything, you know, anything bad that happened, you know, a long time ago, and everyone has had, you know, bad things that happened, you know, but I, I don't see why... Uh, it seems like you, you know, really focus, focus on that. Okay, aspect. look, I mean, if, if if you're going to use the word seems like, then yeah, okay, you can make up. And it seems like the world is flat, and it seems like uh, clouds are the eyebrows of Zeus. It seems like that. I mean, you can make Well, I, I like to say seems like that. because it, I like to say seems because I don't like to sound like I'm, you know, no, it's because you don't have any evidence. That's the way I view things. Because you don't have any evidence. You just, I have, just I'm giving you... On, you know, you're not giving me any evidence. At all. I never say focus on the negative. I never say only talk about the bad things. So that's ridiculous. I say be honest, and if the honesty includes bad things, that's still what you have to deal with, because that's the reality of the experience, Right. Well, what about when uh, you you said what what do you what do you think would be philosophically the right amount of restitution for some for a wrong, right? And you said that you believe that reason and evidence says that the right amount of restitution for a wrong is exactly what ever happened to you should be repaid, and if it's a loved one, maybe a little bit extra. And that's um, common law that goes I, back thousands of years. That's part of Anglo-Saxon and Greek and Roman uh, yeah, law, which and, restitution, right? Okay, and you also said that for every one day that you felt like the relationship was bad, you should have uh, 10 days of good good days? And that is a generally accepted psychological rule of thumb, which is not something I invented, but go on. That, I mean, that is evidence that it would be focused on the negative, because you equate one day of, you know, maybe where you're arguing with, uh, let's say, a friend, where you have to have 10 days of really good friendship to believe that. Right. And, and as I say, this is not something that I have invented. This is a generally accepted psychological rule of thumb. It's not precise, of course. But, right? but so if you're, upset the, I mean, me but for, show, if you're upset with me for reporting generally accepted things in psychology, then what you have an issue with is not me, but you have an issue with psychology, and you should go and talk to the people uh, who have uh, done the research, uh, and it is a significant amount of research that has gone into this. You should go to those people, and you should examine their source data, and you should tell them how they're incorrect, because all I'm doing is reporting the results of research, right? Well, 
Okay, then. So if a parent makes you go to church for 10 years and that's, you know, horrible, I mean, would that take 100 years to make up for that? Okay, look, I'm, I'm going to stop here because we're obviously not getting anywhere, right? At least I know that we're not getting anywhere. Maybe you feel that we do. Uh, and I think that I've certainly made, uh, you've certainly made your case. Uh, I've provided my rebuttals, but nothing seems to stick. Actually, nothing does stick. I'm not even going to say seems to. So I do appreciate it. I mean, I, I know that it was a, a tough call in some ways. Uh, I do appreciate the time that you spent. Uh, I think that I certainly have uh, uh, made uh, my responses to to what it is that you say that is bad that is going on, but I don't uh, have any desire to continue the conversation any further. So thank you so much for your time. I do appreciate it, and uh, all the best. Thank you.